Welcome to this week's episode of the Pretty Smart Podcast. It's your host Shioni speaking. I hope you're all doing well. Today's episode is another relationship one. We're going to be talking about marriage and divorce. And you might be thinking you're 24. You're not even in a relationship, let alone engaged and married. Why, why, is, why are you rushing? Why are you trying to talk about divorce? Well, the reason why is because I found out the other day that 42% of marriages in the UK end in divorce. 42%. That is crazy. I knew that the numbers were high, but I didn't realize that it was practically a flip of a coin. Just imagine if you were going to get onto an airplane and the air hostess was like, so this flight, it might crash and burn, you know, like a 50-50% chance it might crash and burn. Do, do you want to get on? I feel like for myself, at least, I would be a little bit more reluctant. I would probably learn more about um, I would consider whether this is something that I really want to do. If it's something like getting onto a plane which might crash, you're going to think about the consequences more because you realize how serious it is. That people, they enter marriage and relationships with rose-tinted glasses because they're in love and they're so optimistic about life. And I mean, that's beautiful, it really is. But at the same time, you do need to think about things practically and make wise decisions for yourself because it can cause a lot of emotional upheaval. I have experienced it myself. I am a child of divorce. And I think for a lot of millennials, well, there is a culture which is shifting and some young people are very skeptical about marriage and about choosing the right people. Um, because they saw their parents' marriages fail. So I thought, you know what, I, I would like to get married if I find the right person. I am a hopeless romantic. I love love. So let me just try and equip myself with as much knowledge, as much information, and much self-awareness as I possibly can um, before I potentially consider such a thing and figure out whether this is actually something which is right for me. So I thought, let me invite onto the show Leslie Montanil, who is a divorce attorney and a woman's advocate who has been practicing matrimony law for the past 25 years across LA and New York. Leslie shares so many beads of wisdom for insights and personal understanding in today's episode. I am so excited for you guys to listen to it. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Leslie. I'm really excited to be be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's, it's, honestly, it's a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. Do you mind just introducing yourself a little bit and telling us a little bit about your career history? Okay, sure. Um, so my name is Leslie Montanil and um, I am a matrimonial lawyer here in New York. And my career started back uh, in 1992. After I went to law school in New York City, I took the bar Mm -hmm. And then my family said, well, maybe you want to go visit your cousins in California for a while while you wait to get your results. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So mm -hmm. off I went and got my results two months later and happened to have an uncle who had a little place near the beach and said, why are you going back to New York? And I said, I don't know. So he said, look, stay. Here are the keys. I said, okay. So I took my resumes back then when you could go into buildings and I walked into every single law firm and, and gave them my spiel that I'm, you know, a new lawyer in New York City, you know, New York, and I'm, I'm going to stay in California. And by the time I got back home, I had six phone calls. Oh, wow. So I turned back, yeah, yeah, it was different back then. So I turned back around and I chose 
to go with the very successful soul practitioner. His name was, uh, I won't say, but he was very successful in matrimonial law. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go with him because I knew that I would learn everything mm -hmm. from beginning to end, as opposed to like a larger size firm where it's a different exposure and different experience. Yes. So I took the job with him and he took me everywhere. And I learned everything from beginning to end about matrimonial law in California. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I really did love it. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a year doing that. And then I had an opportunity to work in television. Mm -hmm. So I decided to try it because California, unlike New York, is very spread out. Yeah. And when you're young and you want to meet people, you kind of have to be in that world yeah. as opposed to just a sole practitioner's office. But in any case, um, a few years later, I wound up back in New York and um, continued working in television and realized that if I wanted to do what I felt I needed to do, which was help women, mm -hmm. I needed to have my own practice. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. So, so what, I had an opportunity. Sorry, what exactly were you doing in television then? I was actually censoring programs that you watch. Okay, I see. Yeah, broadcast standards and censorship, which I actually love doing, mm -hmm. but it, it was finite. Yeah. It was a finite opportunity, and it wasn't really what I went to law school for. I just kind of fell into that. And when you're young, that's the time to try things. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and because I took that road, I ended up with the opportunity to get into my own practice. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't taken that road, I don't know that I would be here today speaking with you. Yes. Because yeah. I have spent yeah. the last 25 years helping women, mostly women, and I don't know why, but mostly women, mm -hmm. out, uh, get out of some really horrific situations or just sad lives. Mm -hmm that they wanted to maybe restart or start over. Um, I just feel that women have come so far, but there's so much further to go mm -hmm. in the world. And I feel that so many women get stuck mm -hmm. in, their, in their life because let's face it, you meet someone, you fall in love, maybe you're in your career, you're graduating from college, maybe you have a, an, uh, a master's or a doctorate degree and you start to get married and maybe your spouse, which is typically the male still, um, is the breadwinner and you get pregnant. They don't. So now the baby's going to come along and no one really tells you what it means to have a baby and a career. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden your world just like changes overnight. Mm -hmm. So you become a mother and now you're a wife and if you had a career, you kind of have to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And some women have to go back to work after maternity leave, which in the long run is, is better. Yeah. can end up being a lot better. Mm -hmm. Some women um, take the road where they stay at home, become the stay-at-home mother, and, and that's what their spouse wants at the time. You know? And then some women try to do both you know, from home, watch the child and, and evolve their career. Um, so no one can really tell you what you're going to do until it happens to you. Mm -hmm. But once that happens and you have a family or a child, 
all of a sudden, everything that you wanted, all your dreams for this child, this family unit, you set aside because that's what women do. We're the nurturers. Mm -hmm. We're the foundation. I mean, I think women are everything. Mm -hmm. So we set that aside, not realizing that little by little, year by year, we are losing sense of who we are. Mm-hmm. who our identity is because for now our identity is we are Mrs. So-and-so, you know, we are, you know, Jimmy and Jenny's mom, mm-hmm. you know, you're become the chauffeur, the, you know, the PTA, you know, Patty PTA, you're the cook, the cleaner, you're the, you know, cheerleader for your mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And for those women who were able to go back to work, they don't have that same experience. Mm-hmm. But there's so many women who do, mm-hmm. who, st- who have that experience. And I think it's more the majority of women. You know, once you leave the city area and you move out like to the suburbs, there are less women that mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. stay-at-home mothers, which is the toughest job in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't take away from that. I have my own son. Mm-hmm. You know, and had to evolve and adapt and change so that I could continue with my career, which, you know, had its challenges along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and then, okay, so I, as I always say, children get older, not younger. Yes. And you have to look toward your future and mm-hmm. where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women uh, get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand that. I am actually a child of divorce myself. So I've seen directly how much uh, a difficult, um, like when your parents don't get along, how much it can impact the family environment and how much it can affect children as well. Because it was a massive impact on my mental health growing up. And I wish that this is really why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I feel like you must although you are a lawyer you're most probably also in to some degree a therapist and you know um just like a guide or a counsel you know because you speak to people and they're honest to you people aren't really honest about their relationships what they're going through but you're honest to your lawyer because they need to help you when you're in difficult situations Mm -hmm. So I, I, oh no, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. I think there's a bit of a laugh. (laughs) I was going to say that you are right. Mm -hmm. I I am sort of a therapist because I'm a confidant. So anything you share with me, I obviously can't divulge, but I also have my own method. Um, When women do come to me and they come through my doors, their heads are hanging low. And I'm going to focus on the women only because look, we've, had a lot of successful women in this world break glass ceilings, but there still are glass ceilings and the woman still is the focal point. And yes, there are men that are stay-at-home dads and it's great, it's fantastic, but women still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So when women come in my door and their head is hanging low and, and they're really, they're broken because they've lost their way, mm-hmm. you know, I really let them sit there and tell me their story and cry and, and really divulge how they're feeling to me. And after 
20, 25 minutes, I then say to them, well, okay, now that we're done with that, let's plan your future. Yeah. Let's look ahead because the next year or so, it's not really going to be a lot of fun. However, if we can help you, I can help you find that goal, that inner girl, that dream that you let go of and that future that you can have step by step, day by day, you're not going to be this woman with her head hanging low with mm -hmm. no self-esteem. You're going to have hope. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel different about yourself. Now, I'm not saying this is an easy task to do because it's not. Um, you know, there's a lot of emotion in divorce. It depends on the reasons behind it. If you've been betrayed in any fashion by a spouse and you can't let go of it, it gets in the way mm -hmm. of you moving on. Or there are women that don't want to accept that it's really over. Now, there are times when it's not really over. And we work on that too. You know, I've helped people come back together with the help of the lawyer on the other side, because we just don't understand why two, these two oh, people want to be. Is that yeah, very common? It, it's not very common, but does happen because we don't understand like, why are you getting a divorce? And, and we do try and do that. But I try and take the client who comes to me and I make them focus on themselves. You have to look at yourself. You have to really look inside and do self-inventory and really figure out what it is that makes you tick, what it is that you really want out of your life and what's going to be your new life. Mm -hmm. And don't look at your life three months from now. Think three years from now. Do you want to be living in the house you're living in that you lived in with soon to be your ex-spouse? Mm -hmm. Do you want to change? Do you want to move? because that has its complications if you have young children. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go back into the career you had or do you want to evolve it into something else? Yeah. You know, so I kick people off the pity pot and try and move them in a new direction. And one of the things I do with clients right away is I have them change their routine. Mm -hmm. So if you used to go straight home after work, I'm like, oh no, you're going to join a gym. Mm -hmm. Now in quarantine, if you can't join a gym, there are many outdoor fitness gurus who are taking their classes outside. So I, right, they're taking everything outside. I tell people, do something different. Don't go home to that big house where you used to pitter-patter around in, you know, afterwards, because that's going to bring up all kinds of sad or bad memories. Do mm -hmm. something different. Pay the babysitter to stay the extra hour, you know, after your work day, if you're out and go work out, go meditate, you know, meet a friend, do something that you don't ordinarily do and make that your new routine. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, it changes your perspective on how you feel. It, it, it gives you connections to other people and it gives you hope that your life can be without your partner, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever the reasons. And especially if it's been a a long, long marriage, mm -hmm. you know, um, people are afraid. There's a lot of fear surrounding a divorce and a breakup. Mm -hmm. So I try also to counsel women, um, which I do through my website. I have a lot of advice there on what you really need to know before you walk through a lawyer's door, like things you should account for and think about and plan for. Mm -hmm. because maybe if you do all those steps, you don't leave. 
So what do you think are some of the things that a young person might need to consider before deciding to get married? Because uh, like my, uh, the majority of my audience is probably a little bit younger and maybe thinking about marriage for their future. So I'd love to hear um, some, uh, some green flags and red flags for relationships. Okay, so first I'm going to say to the younger audience, do not give up on love. Mm-hmm. Do not give up on love. Love is the greatest thing yeah. ever. <laughs> and when you, it really is. And when you experience it with someone you love and life, it's a unique, life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. So for young people who, and I, I do understand this, you know, you've been hit with economic downturn, children of divorce, I do understand this. What I say is we're not going to repeat the past. We're going to build a new future. So if you are in love with somebody, make a plan with them that you are comfortable with. Plan and build a life together. And that means, that doesn't mean give up what you've had. That doesn't mean, oh, you know, I've been working for, you know, 10 years on this wonderful thing. And I have, you know, maybe my own investments or my own bank accounts because the money becomes a big issue. Mm-hmm. keep it it's yours and they should keep theirs mm-hmm. and then you should do something together mm-hmm. and maybe you come together in the, at least the financial part where it's equal so if you're earning two-thirds more than your your significant other maybe you put in two-thirds more toward the housing expenses mm-hmm. so that it's equal so that you're building each other up mm-hmm. you know and over time if you're together 10 years 15 years you can fade away those individual accounts, or if you now have children, you could leave those individual accounts to those children. Mm -hmm. So you need to build a plan for succeeding together. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that you should give up that weekly night out with your girls, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's really important for women to stay connected. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that your guy should give up that, you know, golf outing or whatever it is that he does, because that alone time that you take to spend whatever it is that you know moves you, brings you back together as a stronger unit. And I really believe that younger people have to understand you control you. Mm-hmm. You have control over your own behavior and you do not have to repeat other people's bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If someone does something one way, you do it another. Yes. Don't look yeah. at other people and say, well, their marriage failed, mine won't work. Mm-hmm. You're not those people. Yeah, exactly. So you have to really, right? So the green flag is, is your partner supportive? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're doing the good pose. I love I could still do that. So <laughs> I can still do that. Not as long as you. Um, you know, is your partner supportive? Mm-hmm. Does your partner build you up with your dreams, your goals, your wishes? Does your partner really want to be a partner? Like maybe you want to have a child, but you want someone who's going to get up in the middle of the night and change diapers. Mm -hmm. So I met my spouse and married him in four months. Wow. Yeah. And we've been together. About that as well. What do you think about, um, so I've had like one of my ex-boyfriends, he made a joke saying that I'm the type of person to meet someone and get married really quickly. <laughs> because well, you know, I was romantic and an optimist. But um, as I've grown up a little bit more, I've realized like it actually takes quite a while to get to know someone. But what has your experience been like? What was it like when you meet that person? You just kind of know 
if you're le- a bit level-headed, you, you can kind of see who they are? You definitely know. I feel like, so I definitely had other relationships prior to my husband. Mm-hmm. And I, I was turning 31 mm-hmm. and living in New York City. And I met him in a record store back mm-hmm. then called The Wiz on 57th Street where they sold CDs. They didn't even sell records anymore. Wow. <laughs> like a random event. And, and he asked me out in the record store. Oh, that's so nice. I took my number and um, he called me later that day. So I, I came to learn that it was because baseball was over and no other sports were on. And he <laughs> said he had done his laundry for the day. So he figured why not try? <laughs> and, you know, we went out to this local place, probably a place I had never been to, wouldn't pick, but it was somewhere that represented who he might be. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, I, you know, I'm not going to be late, but I'll, I'll come at like 6.01. And if he's waiting outside for me, then I know we're good because that was important to me because he knew it was not a place I would frequent. And there he was waiting outside for me and kind of had me at the smile, you know, we were across the street from each other Mm -hmm. and we have never been apart since Mm -hmm. the day we met. Um, Yeah. And I just knew, I, I don't know, we just knew we were both lawyers and we just connected on so many levels. And he was a serious guy. If he said he was calling it too, he called it too. There was no game playing, which, you know, I'm sure still goes on today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were together and we had friends who were running off to Vegas to get married in July. And he said, let's get married. And I said, married. I go, you don't even know me. I'm really difficult and demanding. (laughs) I said, you want to marry me? I said, I'll give you 24 hours Mm -hmm. to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we decided to get married. And because we had plans to go to California for Labor Day weekend, Mm -hmm. I said, let's just get married out there. No big wedding. We'll have a dinner party when we come home. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of just really on the same page, but we learned about each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we both took this risk you know through the honeymoon you know and I, when I met him I said don't talk to me about children I'm a career girl I said I'll let you know when I'm ready and that was five years later because we spent the first five years of our marriage dating mm-hmm. and it was fantastic mm-hmm. I mean look it wasn't perfect I didn't know a lot about his family even though I had met them he didn't know a lot about my family but we had the same we just loved each other and we just wanted to build this life together so we went with it um, and I think you know, and you know how your ex said to you that you're the type that would get married because you're an optimist, and, yeah. but that's how I am. Mm-hmm. And my mother always said that the guy that's going to marry me is going to be like instant. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Not wait. One piece of relationship advice, which I often think back to is that apparently dating in your, in your 20s is just about finding someone who reciprocates your energy because you can tell when someone isn't quite where you are so like you just said that person is just as as excited to see you and be present with you as you are with them and I think just listening to your story now which is so beautiful by the way um, a couple of green flags that I realized is you told him who you were you said you were difficult you laid your expectations on the table and you both seemed like you made a commitment to learning about each other, which I think yeah. is- Oh, and we did. 
And I think it's important to lay it on the table. You know, there were things I said, I cook, I don't clean. That's on you. You know, I brown bag my lunch because I want a facial every four weeks. Don't ever ask me about that because it's always happening. So um, I have a very direct personality. Some people don't. And I feel like when you don't say what you want, you're forever wishing you did. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think for young people, life is, 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 can be short. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you have to realize tomorrow's not promised. If you meet someone that lights you up, up inside and you feel their energy and they feel yours, grab onto it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because look, I feel like when you're in your young twenties, you need to let you be you Mm -hmm. and let your career unfold, let your personality unfold. But as you get into your later 20s, I feel like you have a pretty good handle on what you're looking for for the future. Mm-hmm. And certainly as you're crossing into your 30s, I wouldn't let that wonderful person out of my life because they're, they're not perfect. No one's perfect. I'm far from perfect. It's what you do together that can be perfect for the two of you. You know, um, my husband's also my business partner of 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we're together a lot, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and it's also because we're supportive of one another. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we have to put his goals first or his needs and wants first. And then there are times mine are first. And then sometimes it's together. Mm-hmm. So I feel like young people need, to really hold on to love. Love is great. Mm-hmm. And find the sense of security in yourself to know you're not going to be your parents. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be them. They had their own unique set of circumstances and you can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be willing to remember when you're with someone else, you can't change them. Mm-hmm. You can change you. Mm-hmm they can evolve and change over time. And that's a process. And you could be instrumental in helping them in that process of growing and evolving. But you can't make them do what you want them to. They have to do it on their own mm-hmm. for themselves, like you do for you. Does that help? So, um, for instance, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're laying their expectations on the table and they're saying they want to be with you and um, there's this phrase or this term called breadcrumbing where someone says they're going to do something, they do a little bit of it and then um, you, you, know, you stay in the relationship because you hold on to hope that they're going to change, which I think a lot of well, typically women do. I speak to a lot of women because I work as a life coach and um, I deal with a lot of women who are coming up to breakups as well. And one of the things that they express is that they stayed in it for so long because they were hoping that their partner was going to change and they had all these beautiful expectations and dreams for the future, but they just weren't coming to fruition. So they had to slowly break the relationship off, but they were still hanging on to that hope. So what do you think about um, those sorts of relationships? Like how do you know when it's the right time to, to, I guess, divorce or break up with someone? Well, I feel like people have to be accountable Mm -hmm. for their behavior in the relationship. So if someone makes a promise to you that they're going to do X, Y, and Z, 
and they are doing their absolute best. And you know when someone's doing their best to fulfill those promises. And they meet 90% of it. Well, it's hard to get 100, mm -hmm. right? So maybe you have to, it's not lowering your expectations, but reevaluate what you ask them for and ask yourself, have they really committed to what we were trying to achieve? Whether it's a moving in relationship, let's move in before we get married, whether it's walking down the aisle, the I do, or now we're married and we've hit some bumps in the road, can we move past those? So when you laid your cards on the table and they've laid their cards on the table and maybe you've gone all out and maybe they've gone all out, you know, men and women are different. Mm -hmm. you, you know, what a man thinks is 100%, a woman might think is 50%. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have to have a real conversation like a real honest brutally honest conversation with your significant other and say is that really the best you can do or are you done trying and you may not like the answers or maybe it's really the best they can do i mean let's face it we are different species mm -hmm. women are different mm -hmm. you know we have we the people that become the mothers we carry the babies so we have a different way of dealing with pain and tolerance mm -hmm. and patience. We're detail oriented. You know, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Mm -hmm. Men are a little different. They don't, they don't necessarily see things the way we do. So when we say we're going to do X and they say they're going to do X, we mean it differently. So we have to kind of figure out and say, well, what did you mean that you were going to do X, Y, and Z for me? What did that mean for you? And mm -hmm. find out if what it meant for them is what you really wanted. Mm -hmm. Because if it isn't or it wasn't, that's where your miscommunication is coming in. Mm -hmm. um, if you feel someone's holding back in a relationship, then they are. Mm -hmm. Trust your instinct. Trust that little voice telling mm -hmm. you. How patient do you think that you should be with people who are holding back? Or do you think that that's just symptomatic of where they are mentally or how they feel about the relationship because I've heard of um, the phrase from different books that I've read and through conversations with some of my male friends that men seem to look at women in this is very general by the way but they seem to look at women in two categories um, which are the the game changer and the placeholder so a placeholder is a woman who is just holding a place and then the game changer is the woman who is really someone who they want to settle down with and be with. And if the man isn't um, giving his all in a relationship, then he obviously isn't, he isn't fully fulfilled. That's true. So I feel that all women can be game changers, first of all. Yes, absolutely. All yes. Women. But just different people like right. that. So mm -hmm. correct. And so when I was living in the city, and maybe this will be helpful, um, at some point, I felt that if I was dating somebody, I, you know, and we were dating like a month or two, now I'm, you know, 30 years old, I was like, if by 90 days, basically, I'm not, it's, we're not connecting on that level, I'm done. I'm moving on. There's no reason to waste any more time. Because Unless, okay, so maybe you meet, meet a young man and he's in medical school. Well, that's a game changer. I mean, like, 
you know, you can't expect that person to give you their all when they're in that stage of their life. So are you willing to wait for them? You, you know, you have to also look at where they are. Are they, you know, are they advanced in their career? Now, if a man is already settled and advanced in his career, then, then the waiting game, if he's waiting or not giving his all, then he's still looking, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't waste your time, mm-hmm. you know, because um, they're still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on the kind of woman you are. Do you want to just go along and go out and date, you know, or do you want to start your life? Yeah. And you're not losing out by leaving somebody because if they realize they made a mistake, they're going to come running yeah. to you, like, as soon as you're gone. So mm-hmm. sometimes leaving is good. Now, I'm not talking about a divorce. You just can't get up and leave. You have to plan that out and think about that because you, you could be breaking up a family. And you have to remember why you married that person in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we all forget that. My husband and I are together 23 years. Mm-hmm. And together 23 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you have to really think about those things. We're not talking about like three months or 18 months or even a three-year marriage. You know, sometimes people get married. It could be the circumstances or whatever. And then they just may grow apart. Or when younger, when people get married younger mm-hmm. and you're not like at the point where you want to be maybe in your career or they're not where they want to be in their career or hard times hit or you have a quarantine you, you may start growing apart if you don't work on staying together. Mm-hmm. And in a shorter term, I can see that, you know, dividing a couple. But I feel like women have to be secure enough in themselves to realize if you've met one person, you're going to meet more. Mm-hmm. So don't hang on to something that's just not working. If it's not making you feel good, let it go. Mm-hmm. Because a relationship, when you first meet someone, it's like the honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. You should be laughing, having a good time, feeling secure, not wondering whether he's going to call or not. Mm-hmm. That's for amateurs. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want a man like that. You want a man, not, not a kid. So I feel like women need to say for themselves, what is the length of time I'm willing to give to any new person that walks in my life? Now, clearly, if you go on a date and he's not a gentleman for everyone that's different. I'm from the old fashioned world. Yes, open my door, pull out my chair, (laughs) pick up the check, even though I could, you know, uh, that's how I was raised. If you don't do those things, we're not gonna be, it's not gonna work for me. Uh, Mm. That's just how I am. And I don't have to tell them that, but that's just how I feel. So you can go on a second and a third date and things start to unfold because then they start to want something from you. Maybe they don't wanna pick you up because you live across town and they want you to meet somewhere. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. You know, some women really want that traditional thing. And then there are the modern women who are busy working. They're like, no problem. I'll meet you. And you guys just, it, it flows and, and it works. So you kind of have to maybe be in the same place in your life or at least headed in the same direction. But I think women really have to say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I dated this guy four times. He's not for me. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. Because if you hang on to something like that, it doesn't open the door for, for others to yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. right exactly yeah and i think what you're saying right now is so important because um just having a strong self-esteem strong sense of self that is really going to be the catalyst to any fruitful relationship a relationship with yourself with your family with your friends with a romantic partner because if you you know if you're not whole if you're not complete then you're going to be choosing someone based off of a scarcity mindset as you said you might think that there's not anyone else who's going to come along in your life but I'm saying this right now but 
I'm in London and I'm not dating at the moment, but I know that a lot of people, there's a whole culture on Twitter where people do complain about the younger generation, how difficult it is to find love and find someone who is serious and committed. Um, And a lot of people are resorting to dating apps and using social media, um, which has obviously been a fantastic blessing in connecting people. But then at the same time, it's caused a whole load of relationship problems because I, I know that some girls they get upset when their boyfriends or partners um just the type of girls that they follow on instagram or um if the the guys are liking pictures of um, instagram girls as they call them um but yeah i was just wondering and um, in your your practice do you have any experience in um that kind of sector like how has social media affected people's relationships it actually really hurts them mm. it really hurts them I really, if you're in a relationship, the only people you should be posting about are you, your significant other, and your family. Mm -hmm. If you're out there trolling the social scene Mm -hmm. or out and posting yourself when you have a significant other, Mm -hmm. one, it's disrespectful to your current partner Mm -hmm. that you're dating. Two, I feel like it shows a insecurity on the person who's posting side. I agree. Look at me, I'm out. Um, it also shows really a disrespect and a not caring mm-hmm. for who might see it. Mm-hmm. Because even if your significant other might not see it, one of their friends is going to see it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to tell them. And why would that person ever want to hurt you if they love you mm-hmm. and want to be with you? So... If you're in a relationship, I think staying off social media is probably a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it could do more harm than good. And I don't really understand that because it it doesn't, for the person who's liking the Instagram girls when they have a girlfriend, you need to dump that boy. (laughs) I mean, really just dump him because he's not grown up enough for you. It's, it's just, it's kind of, um, it's difficult though, because in the millennial and Gen Z generation, it's just so normalized. It's so, so normalized. And I speak a lot about this on my social media about um, how a lot of girls and myself included, I used to post a lot of pictures which were very like pretty and posy, but really I was just trying to build my social media platforms based off of my image, which is nothing of substance. And as soon as I realized that, then I've started to try and rebrand myself you know because I just don't it was uh it was symptomatic of where I was in my mental development really in my emotional mental development and my esteem as well um and I speak about that honestly because a lot of people they can't be honest about those things like you just said about um it's not very respectful of your partner and because it's become so normalized people I think they really do just try and play it off as if your partner is speaking to you about such a thing it's an insecurity and I guess to a certain degree it is insecurity but I also there's there's duality in it there's the insecurity but then there's also the respect and how much you actually care for your partner you have to kind of wonder why your partner would do that Mm -hmm. I mean I understand because I have an 18 year old Mm -hmm. so I see, you know, what goes on on the phone and the posting, um, you know, 
having to have people let you know where they are and what party they're at and things like that. And I always have a feeling that if you have such a need to let people know that or follow that, then deep down there's something you are very, very insecure about and not really happy with, but want to portray that because it's what you're used to. You're used to showing that and being like, um, almost like a chameleon where for every circumstance or every party, you know, you're changing the clothes or the people and you're posting and look at me and look how great I am and how wonderful. But at the end of the day, it, it does send out a different kind of signal that it's all about you, right? You want it to be about you. So your partner's sitting at home or out with the girls and now you go to a party and maybe you're with a girl and you post yourself with that girl and it's the consequences, there are consequences for that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone in a relationship should be subjected mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. I find a, a meanness in it. And I don't know who, how it got so normalized. I find that people need to reconnect like one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. together and be together. And I feel that you can address that with someone you're dating and maybe they don't realize it hurts your feelings either because as you said, this is very normalized mm -hmm. and maybe it's never been discussed. Mm -hmm. But maybe the answer comes in, hey, you know, when you're out and you post yourself out or you're liking other girls on Instagram, what, what I would say is, is that it sends a message to everyone else that you are available. Mm -hmm. and we are not in a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. So if we're not in a committed relationship, which is okay, mm -hmm. then I need to know that because I can't just be your girl on the side while you're out sending out these signals that you're available. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really happens is that by all that posting, you're saying, hey, I'm here. Anyone want to look at me and like me? And the person you're supposed to be with is not doing that. And then maybe you're on different planes or at different places emotionally, you know, in your growth and in your development. But I think that's a way to handle it. I don't think it's an insecurity, but I think the person it's happening to has to be brave enough mm -hmm. to say either we're together or we're not. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't accept it as normal. Mm -hmm. Because when you, again, you can't change someone else's behavior, but you certainly can change yours. And if you refuse to accept that as normal, they may not be your boyfriend or girlfriend anymore, but then there'll be someone else who comes along that's going to love you for who you are and wouldn't dare to think to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be important to them. Yeah. I think that's a maturity also. Yes, definitely. And I think it's like ruined relationships. Like you're out to dinner, like, and a person can't put their phone away. If you go on a date, that's a red flag. I meant to say that. Yeah, yeah. If you go on a date and they're on their phone, by the way, make sure he pays the bill and never talk <laughs> to him again. That's what I would say if you were my daughter. Not good enough. Because he's not interested. Because if he was so enamored with you, this would not be important. Mm -hmm. Unless he's a doctor on call, mm -hmm. right? Unless they're a doctor on call and they have to answer the phone, but they're going to tell you up front. I'm on call tonight. I know we were supposed to go out. Do you want to reschedule? Because I'm going to have to be, I might have to be on my phone. 
And then you have to make the decision, which that would be a mature thing. I think that that is very symptomatic of someone having some sort of like uh, emotional dysregulation or just being very sad. You know, if you're constantly on your phone trying to distract yourself, it's like, are you scared of your thoughts? Is there something that you need to work through potentially? Yeah, I think that it's an escape. It's a way to not communicate directly with the people in front of you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's really unhealthy and it's isolating. And I really think what happens is, is we forget how to have a one-on-one conversation because we're hiding behind a text, behind an email. I mean, just pick up the phone. You know, sometimes I text my assistant, my team. I'm like, can we just talk? They're like, oh, yes, you know, like, why are we texting? Like, it takes me so long to type. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's ridiculous. And and yeah, it's, it's really hard. And I feel like I feel bad um, for younger people. I feel bad because I feel like in so many ways, the social aspect has been diminished mm-hmm. and they don't, they're afraid mm-hmm. to talk one-on-one to somebody. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to say how they feel. So they kind of say it in a text or they breadcrumb, as you mm-hmm. say, they, they give you a little, but not all, which I think is a big red flag, mm-hmm. or they don't respond to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really rude. Ghosting as they and call they, it. But I think some of that call it? ghosting when they just like, oh, ghost. ghosting. yeah, they just like just don't respond. Um, but I think a lot of that as well is just due to how you've seen your parents communicate. And that's why, as you said oh. earlier, just watching your parents' relationship. Like for me, that has been, although my parents had a really bad divorce, it's been such a blessing in my life because I've learned so much about how to connect and how not to connect and what I should and shouldn't apply to my own life and what I also need to improve on and the traumas that I need to just let go of as well. Right, so you don't take them with you because you're your own person. You know, you take the value of what you've you've learned. And my parents didn't have they looked like they had a great relationship, but they didn't. They had like a real, like kind of traditional, my mother stayed at home, my father works, you know, um, kind of relationship. And you, you look at them and I'm like, wow, I don't really want that. I want to be the man in the relationship. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to be the one, you know, ordering the airline tickets and like, fly. <laughs> I mean, my mother, my mother went around the world. She had a, a really nice life, good life. Mm-hmm. But back then also like women didn't get divorced because back then the divorce laws were, weren't kind to women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and men got away with a lot of stuff that they couldn't get away with now. Mm-hmm. But you, you look at that and you say, yeah, just like you said, you learn mm-hmm. from their mistakes mm-hmm. and you don't have to repeat them. When people say, well, I learned that from my parents. I'm like, but then why do you have to do that? That's learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Unlearn it. I'll I, learn think, it. I think that's a huge have... red flag when people just say, this is just how I am. Yeah, no, it's how you choose to be. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to do the work. It's just how you're choosing to be because it's easy. Because doing the work on yourself and admitting to yourself that you might have to change the way you are, that's tough. It's easy to say, well, I'm just that way. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you're not just a liar. Mm-hmm. You, you choose to do that. You know, there are people who are adults, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. If you don't communicate these things at the beginning, then uh, I can't remember what exactly the phrase is. It's something like, um, 
like the single the single raindrop doesn't cause the flood i think and it's basically it's basically saying that like it's just the, these small things aren't the things that create the whole breakdown of your marriage relationship the divorce but if oh. you do just permit these small things here and there then eventually it is all going to come crumbling down and um like say for instance if your husband cheats on you then that mm-hmm. is terrible and that's like heartbreaking he should that's his responsibility for betraying you in such a way but unless he is a narcissist or just has like a personality disorder or something wrong with him um and he can't emotionally connect then usually there's something wrong in the marriage for it to get to that you need to connect before it gets to that point Mm -hmm. well i think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about permitting Mm -hmm. and permission by not speaking up Mm -hmm. you know men aren't mind readers Mm -hmm. neither are women if we were mind readers, then, you know, it would really be easy, right? Yeah. The dating world would be easy. Marriage would be easy. We would know what everyone was thinking at all times. But men aren't mind readers. So one thing I, I really learned is if there's something on my mind, I need to say it. Mm-hmm. Because my husband, who's known me for 23 years, and he knows me pretty well, if I don't say it, he's not going to know it. Mm-hmm. And that goes for anybody. So if you permit a behavior once or twice, maybe three times, the message you're sending is, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When really deep down inside, you may not be. And then if you let it go too far, you're kind of like, well, now how do I stop that? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. now it's on a roll. You know, and maybe a couple of years go by and this behavior that's been annoying you or bothering you, maybe it's, you know, uh, out all day with the boys, you know, and, and then they go out for a beer or whatever after, and then they come home late, but meanwhile, you're waiting all day for them. Yeah. You know, whatever the behavior is, you got to kind of nip it in the butt. And then you have to find a compromise mm-hmm. because the more you allow without saying why it bothers you, the more your significant other thinks it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then you're mad at them because they think it's okay, but yet you gave the permission for it in the first place mm-hmm. and we're quiet about it. And you don't even sometimes realize you're giving the permission. It's when you realize that, oh, he's doing that again or she's doing that again, and then you never said anything. And then you have to say to yourself, well, you know, I have to, I have to say something, mm-hmm. you know? And if you say something and it's not well received, which it might not be the first time mm-hmm. well received, because depending on how we point out a behavior that someone is doing that upsets us, bothers us, makes us feel uncomfortable, we could make someone very defensive. Mm-hmm which never has a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a time and a place to have a conversation and we have to make it about that it's bothering us. Not that we feel that the behavior is wrong. Of course we want our significant others to be able to see their friends or you know, ride their bicycles or whatever it is, go to a ball game, whereas we might wanna go shopping with our girlfriends you know, or, or whatever we do. We don't wanna take away from that behavior that you know, they were individuals before you met them. And part of the reason you love them was their individuality, which also happens to keep romance alive. Mm -hmm. Ladies, everyone has to be an individual. So (laughs) finding, right? Finding a time and a place where you can sit down and say, hey, you know, I realized that, you know, when I said, I didn't mind if you did this, it's not that I mind that you go out and do X, Y, and Z, but when when the last component happens or like you're gone for eight hours of the day 
and it happens all the time, that kind of upsets me because I thought we would spend more time together because maybe we work five days a week, you know, or maybe we're both working from home and we don't have as much of that social time because we're both working from home now during the pandemic or, you know, whatever. So we're not finding that playtime. And maybe when we have the playtime, we're not doing it with each other. You know, so I think it's really important to identify the behavior and right up front express that it's not that I mind that you, unless it's bad behavior, you know, abuse is bad behavior. We never condone abuse. Lying is bad behavior. Cheating is bad behavior. Like those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like the harmless things that made that person who they were before you met you. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we don't talk about it up front, then they're going to continue to do it and it's going to fester inside you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's important that we let our partners know how we're feeling and we're careful how we let them know, you know, because mm -hmm. we want them to have an open conversation. Yes, definitely. I think it's always a great way to, um, when you're expressing yourself to your partner to say, I feel X, Y, Z, instead of just being yeah. like, you're doing this, you're doing that. Like, you're not listening to me. Being like, I feel because then people can't necessarily invalidate your emotions because that's your experience. And then hopefully you can compromise from that place. Um, but I would really love to just circle back around again and speak about what some of the red flags are, um, for someone who you shouldn't get married to essentially, because, um, I mean, we, we spoke about some of the good things, you know, someone who is honest, upfront, someone who I guess is self-assured, someone who sticks to their word. What do you think are some of the maybe covert red flags that you feel like uh, are symptomatic to some a, a potential relationship breakdown in the future? Because obviously well, let's talk wanna, about money. We're going to focus on prevention rather than the solutions, which would be absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about money because money could be the number one thing that mm -hmm. people are not honest about. Yeah. So if the person you're considering being with, after you feel they're honest about other things, has a inability to say to you, because maybe they feel this way. Okay, we're both 32 years old, we're going to get married, I've had all this before you, you've had all this before me, I would like to maybe keep it separate and start, as we discussed, maybe do a joint account. If you feel they are not being forthright about their money or what they have, that could be a really big flag because a red flag, because they're going to always keep that a secret. Mm -hmm. And as you move on in a relationship, money becomes a big topic. You know, are you going to buy a house? Are you going to buy an apartment? Are you going to rent? Are you going to have a baby? Private school, public school, you know, earnings. And, you know, the willingness or unwillingness to share your successes, which include financial, can be a very big red flag. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you know what I'm, I'm talking about when, you know, some people are very, um, they feel that when they earn something, they can just go out and do whatever they want with their okay. life, mm -hmm. which is great, mm -hmm. which is, it, it, you know, of course you earn, you want, but if you're coming together as a unit and you're going to be a unit mm -hmm. and you're going to do things together, then, you know, before you go out and buy that like Ferrari, mm -hmm. maybe you ought to check in with your significant other because maybe they have other ideas because mm -hmm. things like that in life, 
are not really that important as you go through life, but they may be really important to your spouse or significant other for a reason. And I'm using that. Maybe you love jewelry. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a woman who goes out and buys every new Chanel bag that comes out, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. These are things that can cause like red flags, like mm-hmm. not being on the same page as to a budget. There's always a spender. There's always a saver. So if you guys can find a compromise and just understand who you both are before you get in the mix, then that won't be so harmful mm-hmm. to your relationship because you'll know before it started. You know, other red flags are... Can I just ask on that point, um, sure. do you think that, that that goes both ways then? If you are also reluctant to share your income, then maybe that's, it's, that's your intuition telling you that you don't actually trust this person or you don't want to share. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that if you want to keep something a secret, because secrets can be devastating to a relationship, mm-hmm. um, then yes, I think that could be very, very harmful to relationship and it can be a red flag you know um and i talk about this with a lot of young people just and it's on topic but slightly off that if you are in this scenario with money you can do like a prenuptial agreement before you get married to define your finances and it has nothing to do with not loving each other Mm -hmm. it just takes the stress out of what you had before you walked into the marriage that you will walk away with it so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to add that but yes if you have a willingness not to share Maybe you don't trust that person. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's your little voice and you don't see it like that. But why wouldn't you want to share that, mm-hmm. right? Because something like that. Because that also then ties into career. Mm-hmm. If you're with someone who always seems to be turning you away from what you want to do mm-hmm. or not supporting you in what you're doing, I would tell you to put on your sneakers and run. as far away as possible because as a woman you might have to put some of your dreams or career choices on hold if you want to have a family but when you're ready to come back to them you want to know the person you chose to be committed to is going to be there for you 100 Mm percent supporting you and pushing you to where you want to go Mm -hmm. because you've given up something maybe to be that mom at home. You know, I say this to women mostly because the men continue to work. They leave the house and go out and you don't. So I feel that if someone is not supportive of you while you're dating, they're not going to be supportive of you when you're married. That's true. And that's a red, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. You want someone that's building you up. That's your cheerleader, your significant other, should be your whole cheering section. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, you have to ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I find there are a lot of men, they need to be the Mm breadwinner. They got to bring it home. And they don't want competition Mm -hmm. from their spouse. And it was okay while you were dating, but then once you start a family and you move into a community Mm -hmm. and maybe there are other men whose wives don't work, Mm-hmm. they feel it more. So you want to make sure that the person you're connecting with mm-hmm. understands your passion for what you're doing and that you're not going to stop and you're going to find a way to evolve through all of life's changes. Mm-hmm. And many women do. When they have children, they take their marketing skills, if they were marketers, and they do you know, community projects or charitable events 
they hone their skills and they keep going because they know one day they're going to do something else with what they used to do. So I think that's really important. Um, other red flags, blame. Mm -hmm. Never taking responsibility yeah. for someone's actions. I feel that if you have a significant other that maybe something happened, they made a mistake and they can't say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Oh, I didn't realize that hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm and they turn it around on you, and they say, well, it's because you did X, that is a very, very difficult thing for someone to change in their personality because that means they have work to do on themselves because for some reason, they feel either shame if they have to say they're sorry, or they feel inferior, or they feel like they're bad almost. But someone who can't be accountable and responsible for their own behavior, that doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could be a relationship red flag. Mm -hmm. I think those are the top three. Mm -hmm. I mean, other than being secretive about your phone and your emails and, and, and things like that. Because let's face it, in the old world, bank statements and everything got mailed to your house. <laughs> Today, it comes to your inbox. Mm -hmm. So if you're a unit and you're together and you're sharing your life and sharing your finances and, and you know, you're growing together, if you're not willing to share your passwords to those things that your spouse might need, mm -hmm. should you suddenly die, mm -hmm. I call divorce sudden death, mm -hmm. but let's just mm -hmm. say someone has a heart attack and drops dead. And now you can't get into the account because you don't have the password because your spouse didn't want to give it to you. Mm -hmm. You need to know that up front. Mm -hmm. That's very You true. need to know that, mm -hmm. right? That's very true. So secrets are not good in relationships. Now that doesn't mean I don't think you shouldn't stay a mystery in some ways to your significant <laughs> other, but I mean, yeah. I mean that like, you know, ladies, we don't need to tell, you know, our husbands everything that make us appealing to them. Mm -hmm. You know, mystery is important. Sensuality is important. There are things you don't have to tell. We're talking about the big stuff. Mm -hmm. The stuff that, you know, the foundation of a relationship is built mm -hmm. on. This sounds quite judgmental for you to answer this. Um, and I don't know if you even ethically are allowed to, but with all the clients that you see come into your office, I know that you didn't know them when they were getting married, but based off of the stories that they tell you, do you think that they were actually ready to get married or do you think that they were doing it because of expectations from themselves, other people? Do you think they emotionally understood the weight of what marriage is? Because for women as well, based on the fact that we have a biological clock, sometimes we do feel, well, I know that I have thought about like, like I've only got like 10 years for me to have children, X, Y, Z, you know? Well, I think it's both. Mm -hmm. I think I've met both. And by the way, I had my son at 37, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. literally. And my mother for five years would be like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yeah. I'm like, when it's time, I'll let you know. And by the way, I did say to my husband on the weekend of my 37th birthday, mm -hmm. I said, okay, honey, this is it. I'm ready. <laughs> I said, this is the weekend. I said, yeah. okay. So, but anyway, I do think that women from like all walks of life. So I've met women that come from like maybe um, orthodox homes, you know, more religious homes where maybe they got married at 18 years old because they were expected to. Those are very 
unusual divorces, but when they happen, they're very difficult and they're very, they're brutal because the man essentially wants the wife dead because mm -hmm. he's not supposed to leave. I mean, I've actually had a, a woman abducted. Oh, wow. Because of that. Yeah. Um, and there are times people get married because maybe their whole group of friends are getting married and they're with somebody and they're not really in love with them and they marry them because they don't want to be the only one not married. Mm. But for the most part, most of the people that come to me have like finished college, started a career, met somebody, maybe they met them in college or graduate school. At the time they got married, they truly believed that this was there forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. They believed it. You know, maybe they didn't see the red flags then because they were so young. So mm -hmm. I have a, a theory. Women under no circumstances should get married under 25. Mm -hmm. When you hit 25, something happens. Mm -hmm. And then when you hit 30, something happens. Mm -hmm. So I feel like anywhere from 28 and up, that's a good window. If you already have children right away, you can make that happen. But something in you changes. Mm -hmm. But women take a little longer to settle into their careers. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like a woman needs a little more time. Mm -hmm. And men are a little more immature. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's better if a man is either your age or a little bit older when you marry them, even if it's just a year. Because mm -hmm. they take a little longer to catch up. They do. Mm -hmm. Trust me. You know? <laughs> I see it with my kid. I have a son who mm -hmm. happens to be very mature for his age. You know, he leaves his phone in his bedroom. We have dinner as a family, you, you, you know, and he doesn't go running for it. But then I also see him like this all yeah. day, mm -hmm. you know. So I do feel like most of the people come through my door really believed at the time that they walked down the aisle that that was there forever. Mm -hmm. But I have had the cases where people get married for a variety of reasons. Yeah, but although they do think that's there forever, as your observation, do you think that those people are, 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 do you think that they are emotionally mature? Probably not. No. Do you think that they're rational people? Because when you know, they're getting divorced? Like, yeah, because, uh, no, when, when they were entering the relationship, the marriage. No, I don't. I, I think a lot of times they're probably not because people get married for all reasons. You know, you know, here you are, maybe Maybe you're a waitress in this hotel and the man that falls in love with you is the son of the owner of the hotel. Mm. This is real. I don't, I don't make anything. I'm giving you like real stories, <laughs> yeah. right? So, and clearly you were attracted to each other, both really good looking people, but really she didn't really know him. He was really a control. He was actually my client mm -hmm. way back when, when I really, I, I represented some men, but I don't think she knew what she was getting into. Mm -hmm. She saw a way out. Yeah. She saw a way out and he saw a woman he could control. That's so important what you just said, seeing a way out. And this is why I always say to women, you just have to be strong within yourself and be at peace and know that anything external isn't actually going to fulfill you. You just have to find that spiritual alignment and actually know that you're enough and that even if you're not where you want to be financially, then you can grow, you can learn, you can cultivate skills and you could do better. It might take longer than just marrying someone okay. who has money, but that's gonna that's gonna fill you with esteem. Yeah, I mean, marrying someone because they have money and they can give you something. The cho 
chances are if someone has a lot of money and you don't, you're going to be signing a prenuptial agreement. And hopefully you have a good lawyer that will protect you because you're giving something up to sign that agreement. It's not just meant to protect the wealthy spouse. However, if you're doing it for that reason, which there are a lot of women who do, they see an easy way out, they don't have to work, they can stay at home. Ultimately, they are going to find themselves in a very lonely, mm -hmm. disappointing place. Yeah. And they're going to be trapped mm -hmm. because that man who marries you wants you home. Mm -hmm. He's marrying you because you don't have that equal balance. Mm -hmm. See, women don't realize that. Mm -hmm. So they're, you're a kept woman. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so you so now if you all of a sudden say well I want to go out and get a job they look at you and go well why would you want to do that yeah. I take care of all your needs mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. kind of sold yourself to the devil so to speak <laughs> yeah you know mm -hmm. you know you have to get to a place where when you say spiritually so I talk about people being spiritually bankrupt mm -hmm. right they're just it's, it's kind of like the woman who can't stop shopping. She's mm -hmm. got all these clothes in her closet with tags on it, but she's, she's never worn them because she needs the instant gratification or the high of getting something new, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like that in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So he's buying you all these things, but what do you want, a daddy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want a father? You want a partner. Mm -hmm. You want someone who says to you, hey, you know, you mentioned you like design school. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should go. I'm happy to pay for it. Like that, that is a good thing. Like, see, I don't have a problem with that because then if you decide to be a designer, you could always pay them back if you feel like you need to for putting you in school or you just contribute to the house. So, yeah, I do feel that. And I think younger people by watching, I hate to say this, mm -hmm. television, maybe you see the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. well, I, maybe, I absolutely agree with you 100%. <laughs> maybe you see the housewives. Yeah. You know, and I watch those shows because I need to know what's going on on them. So I pick them up once in a while to see. Mm -hmm. um, although the Housewives has a different thing. Everyone on that Housewives show is looking to break out of mm -hmm. the marriage. Mm -hmm. Even the ones married to the very wealthy men. I think so. That's what they're yeah. I think they think go in there to advertise themselves. Yes, because, well, because I was once asked to be the law, the divorce lawyer for one of the housewife series. And I declined because mm -hmm. I'm not about drama. I'm about hope. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. So if you look at the housewives, every single one of them have tried a business mm -hmm. to get into a business or to get away. And they ultimately end up not with that man that they started that show with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's Adrian Maloof, whose family owns the Sacramento Kings and the Palms in Nevada who wanted to start a shoe line, her and her husband are divorced. He was a successful Beverly Hills surgeon. They're divorced. If it was that woman, Taylor from Orange County, she was being abused. She wanted to be on that show. He ended up killing himself during the season. Oh, oh I think I heard yes. that as well. Yeah. Yes. Look at, now Vanderpump is the only one mm -hmm. that seems happily married, that mm -hmm. she blew up her business but she wanted a business. She wanted to blow up their restaurant and whatever. But a lot of them were looking for a way out. Nene Leakes from Atlanta was a stripper mm -hmm. in a club. It was her way out. Kim Volchak or whatever, she's married to a football player. She was involved with a married man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these women, and they don't pay them a lot up front, but figured it's like a quarter of a million of advertising. They do 10 episodes. I mean, you know, it's fascinating mm -hmm. to see a lot of those women are trying to find a way out. Now it's very scripted, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, you have a lot of people that also envy like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. But I think it fills young people with a lot of delusion about what a relationship should be, what life, what, what goals you should try and um, be inclining your life towards. Right. But then you need to have a mother like Kris Jenner because she was the mastermind behind the marketing. Mm -hmm. For whatever their reasons, I think it's because they knew Bruce was transgender and that he was going to eventually come out and who knows what she thought, but she was brilliant. She was like Madonna. Mm -hmm. I mean, Madonna put on a wedding dress and rolled around on stage in it to like a virgin. <laughs> She's brilliant. Brilliant. She's a master marketer. And yes, she has a pretty voice. She doesn't have a range like others. She had a pretty, but she was a master marketer. She owned her personality and her success, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I always say the good, bad, and the very, very ugly, you know, whatever it was, she owned it, you know, and she transformed herself. I think that's what Kris Jenner did and her children. Who knows? Maybe they were going into bankruptcy and she found a way out and she marketed them. I mean, but to be the wife of somebody and really have never given back to society, I think that's a terrible role model. I mean, God bless you. You want to be married and be famous on television? Good for you. No judgments there. What are you doing with that wealth? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. you, you could feed a continent. Mm -hmm. Do something. At least Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, at least, you know, they helped out Africa. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know, so, yes, I think a lot of young people do see that, and that is not the real world. Mm -hmm. you know, it's entertainment. It's entertain. They're making money off of you watching them, yeah, mm -hmm. and buying into them, mm -hmm. which is you know sort of crazy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I am all about taking accountability um, for myself and trying to just do self introspection and see w all the places that I can improve, um, because I don't like to just put blame onto other people because that's just not conducive because I think that every single person should look at themselves instead of pointing at the other person. Um, but what do you think some of the things that women can do to get themselves ready to be in a long-term relationship, if that's what that they're looking for to, you know, improve um, their, their mindset. So that they are a strong woman, like you said, it's so imperative to finding the right person and being happy with them. So I think that, what you should do is you really have to sit back and really turn inward and ask yourself, what is it? And how do you envision living out your life? Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, plans do change, but the big picture, how do you see yourself living? Where do you see yourself living? What is it that, that moves you? You can even write it down. Writing it down really does help. And really look at where you are today. What are your finances today? And what do you need to get where you want to go? Mm -hmm. And what road can you take to get there? Where are you in your career? Mm -hmm. You know, or things like that. And is a family part of your plan? Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to be in the city? Do you want to be by the sea? You know, do you want to be in the suburbs? Do you want to, you know, things like that. Those, all those things do make a difference. And I think as a woman, you have to know what you have financially mm -hmm. to help you live. Let's face it, we need money for food, shelter, and clothing. You know, you need to know that your bases are, are covered. And knowing that you could stand on your own two feet 
and make a decision as to what you can have or not have or what you can you know buy or not buy it's very empowering mm -hmm. it makes you very secure so then you can move on to the next step and say what am i really looking for in a partner mm -hmm. and will they fit into my plan because maybe your partner likes the mountains and you like the beach so we're and can you find that compromise together? And will they be an active participant in the plan I, I have for my life and can we make our lives meld together? So where are they financially? Are they set financially? And you know, where are you? And can you, can you prepare for that? And you really kind of have to stick to and be true to who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about really like having pride. Mm -hmm. When you talk about having pride, that's your self-esteem. That's your self-worth. That's everything in here, your core values that says, there are things I can compromise on. Like I can compromise living 20 miles outside of a city, but like I can't compromise on being in an open marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, some people want to get married and have an open relationship, or I'm not going to compromise on never having children, or I'm not going to compromise on giving up my career, but I will compromise and have a child if my partner is supportive and knowing that I'm going to build a career, I'm going to work from home, you know, we're, we're going to have some same values. We may have to get in a, you know, housekeeper or, you know, a nanny or whatever you want to help us. Like you have to be on those pages and knowing that you have some sort of a plan, like a roadmap really can help you feel very strong in who you are as a woman that you have a goal, you have a dream, you have a plan, and you're on your road, and you're going to take that road, even if you get pushed off the path a little, because you might meet somebody, but you're going to keep that goal and dream in mind, and you're going to stick to your core values, and you're going to share that with someone who you love, and if they love you, they're going to be all in. Mm -hmm. They're just going to be all in, mm -hmm. because men like guidance, ladies, they do. They want the guidance, believe it or not, especially the men that want to marry a strong woman, mm -hmm. that want to be with someone who wants to be their own person. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you don't want to be cuddled and hugged and loved. Mm -hmm. It just means you want to maintain your identity. Mm -hmm. You know, you've worked so hard at something and that you're willing to make compromises along the way. So the man for you is going to be all in. And a man who isn't, who tries to change you, isn't going to make you happy for the length of your life. It might be short-term happiness. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of men out there that will wave stuff in front of you, mm -hmm. material things. Mm -hmm. You know, just remember, material things don't tell you they love you. They don't hold your hand on that night. And material things don't tell you everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's your partner, you know? True life partners don't ever try to replace themselves with things mm -hmm. to make you love them and be with them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think women need to do. You kind of need to stick to your guns because listen to that voice, that inner voice. Mm -hmm. That's your intuition. That's your gut. And I have to tell you, when I haven't listened, I've been wrong. Mm -hmm. I've made mistakes. Thank you so much. Leslie, it's been incredible speaking to you. And just that last bit was so profound, honestly. It's well, been a pleasure you. speaking thank to you today. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. You are such a wonderful host oh, and a beautiful, strong woman. I, I have 
no doubt you will will meet your match. Mm-hmm. Yes, one day, one day. <laughs> one day, That's when it's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to speak with you again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would love for you to share um, just your website and any social media platforms that you might have um, to the guests. Sure. Um, you could find me at lesliedaskleslielawyer.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find our law firm at hmlawny.com. You can email me through both websites, or you can email me directly at Leslie at Ask Leslie the Lawyer. I would love you to visit Ask Leslie the Lawyer. I have so much information, articles, advice that you are free to read across the board that can help you and your relationships and help you never find your way to my door. <laughs> 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 Thank you again. <laughs>